Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny welcomes physician turned shamanic healer, Sarah Bamford Seidelman. And the two of them will discuss her brand new debut visionary fiction novel, Where the Deer Dream. So tune in and hear all about the incredible coming of age adventure in spirit. And now we welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, Sunny Joy McMillan. And we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma. Actually, you know what? We, <laughs> this is so old hat that I've been saying it, right? I just realized. I even took it out of my outline, but I'm just so used to saying it. And I'm staring off into the distance right now going, no, we're not in Petaluma anymore. We are back in Seattle full force. <laughs> hey, maybe it's for someday, though. You may return. So you just kind of maybe slight keeping it in there for a little bit. Exactly. Well, right. in any event, Sunny in Seattle, <laughs> wherever we're broadcasting, is bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. Those are at 1150kknw.com. You can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One. And just for housekeeping, my website is goldenoversoul.com. That is goldenoversoul.com. Um, so, Benny, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. You know, we're getting closer to the old holiday spirit day. And, uh, well, if, whichever you celebrate, it should be all month long yep. or all year long. I mean, we've had a lot going on with us. Uh, we uh, had our video cameras on earlier before we started the show. You have a beautiful little tree in the background there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and maybe we should say why I'm not in the studio just so everybody. <laughs> if you'd I'd like, like to. be to. transparent about what things are happening yeah. because I feel like. This is not just the super, um, uh, what's the word, uh, polished and um, what is the, I can't find the word that I'm looking for, but I like to be real with our audience. I feel like our listening audience is like family. And so for everyone to kind of know in the spirit of transparency, what's going on. So uh, if you have been following our journey for a little while, um, that Airstream adventure we went on, um, we adopted a dog along the way, or she adopted us, I think is probably the better way to put it. Um, but anyway, she had her space surgery yesterday and um, she just based on how she's doing it, felt better and safer and just calmer for her, for me to be home, to do the show instead of trying to leave her with a cone. And anyway, so here I am sitting at my little desk at home and Movi is to my right on the bed, having a nice little chew toy. Aww. And so we're going to see if we can, she's a little woozy still. They've got her on some meds. So we're going to see how this goes. And if we need to take a quick break to attend to Movi, then that's what we're going to do. And our fantastic guest today, Sarah Bamford Seidelman, who is a return guest and is incredibly kind, generous, and flexible, knows what's going on. And I think of all the guests that this could happen with, <laughs> it couldn't be more perfect. So Vinny and everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. So that's where we are today. Well, we wish Movi a speedy recovery <laughs> on the simple surgery and she'll be back on fours before you know it, I'm sure. Yes, probably not soon enough. When I asked uh, yesterday, I said, <laughs> when can we get her back to the dog park and daycare? Because she has so much energy mm -hmm. and we, of course, can only do so many hikes in a day and right. sometimes getting to play with other dogs. They were like, oh, you know, in like, I don't know, 10 days to two weeks. I'm like, oh my goodness, what are Ooh. we going to do between now and then? <laughs> You could uh, do some. You can do some light reading with her, maybe. <laughs> yeah, 
so much. Okay. We're going to see if she can manage an hour long radio show and invite then her we'll uncle go from ben- there. Yeah, invite her uncle Benny over. I mean, you know, there you go. Okay. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so I'm well, just, yeah, thanks to everyone out yeah. there for being um, understanding and flexible as, you know, life things happen as go. they do. Mm-hmm. So um, let's go ahead and bring Sarah on. Um, so I'm just going to read her bio here. I know she's been on the show, gosh, probably four or five times by now. This might be her fifth appearance. Um, I should have checked these things before we went live. But for those who may not be fam- <clears throat> excuse me, familiar with her, I'm just going to read her official bio, and then we will bring her on. Sarah Bamford Seidelman, MD, was a fourth-generation physician living in a nature-starved, hectic lifestyle until a walrus entered her life and changed everything. She's a shamanic mentor and the author of several popular books, including her memoir, Swimming with Elephants, as well as a daily devotional called How Good Are You Willing to Let It Get? And although it's not in the bio, I have to mention her book of beasties, which I know is a fan favorite. Um, If you work with um, animal spirits or animal medicine, um, it is just a fabulous compliment to that. Um, And then critics are saying her new novel, which is what we're going to be talking about today, is enchanting. It is called Where the Deer Dream. Um, You can find out more about Sarah as well as all of her books. And she has so many offerings. Um, I think she's got an app. uh, for your smartphone. She's got an Oracle deck. She's got all kinds of good stuff. So uh, find out more at her website, which is followyourfeelgood.com. That is followyourfeelgood.com. Sarah, welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) It's so fun to have you back. And I got your newsletter. And when I saw that your uh, newest book was out. I thought, oh, we've got to see if she will come back on the show to tell us more about this one because it's special. It's your fiction debut. Yeah, I I have never tried fiction, but it kind of came from one of my books about five years ago. One of the one of the reviewers in a newspaper said, "I'd really like to see fiction from this lady," and I was like, "Really, really? <laughs> yeah." And that was kind of where the idea, of the seed was planted. And I was like, "Gosh, I have no idea how to write fiction." Um, but I kind of put myself through school a little bit on that sort of informally and lo and behold, here we are (laughs) five, six years later and we have a book. That's awesome. So um, when that, was it really that review that first piqued your interest in fiction or had, had it ever been kind of percolating in the background at all? Well, I've been, you know, most writers like, oh, I'm just always been a voracious reader. So I love stories. And that that definitely piqued my interest. I was like, huh, I've never thought about writing fiction. Um, and at the end of writing my memoir, Swimming with Elephants, you know, memoir writing is a, is a special beast because, you know, it's, it's the truth. It's your truth, you know, witnessed through your eyes. But nonetheless, like I had to do a lot of confirmation of fine details to make sure everything was accurate. Everything was like I had to... T- interview so many of my friends and family and be like, is this how you, you know, is this okay if I write this? <laughs> it's like, how do you feel about this? And I know not everybody writes that way, but um, for me, that was really important. So it was a lot of checking around and I thought, how freeing would it be to like write a book and not have to ask anybody permission to say anything? Cause it's not about them and their life, right. you know? Yes. So I was like, wow, if I was going to write a book, I just kind of started exploring the idea, like in a journal, like a lot of creative ideas start in journals. And um, yeah, I think I was in that, you know, there's this woman who writes these, it's like a break wreck this journal, Carrie, I'm thinking of the, I'm sure we've all seen it in bookstores, like a wreck this journal. And it was like all these prompts. And, and that's where I started, the idea started to percolate. 
Oh, that's beautiful. Um, and, and then I have to ask, I want to do in a few minutes back up and talk a little bit more about your background um, because it's just, I feel like for people to know your story um, is so inspiring. Um, so let me just ask quickly though, I remember when you know you, you and I are connected through the Martha Beck community, or at least that's how I came to know your work. You are an instructor for Martha's Life Coach Training Program, although I'm disappointed to say you had not joined that team until after I think I went through training. Um, I would have loved to have had you as an instructor in life coach training. Um, <laughs> but not you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so, so Martha, of course, is a common denominator that we share together. And, and she released her first fiction book um, several years ago, Diana herself. And one of the things that I remember her saying about it was that while it was written as fiction, it was the truest work or truest book she'd ever written. Do you feel that way about your fiction novel? Hmm, that's a really interesting. I never heard her say that. And I think I, watching her do that, write that book also inspired me because I love that book because it was so totally different than anything I've ever read before. And I love that quality about it. Yeah. Um, where, what is it? Um, Diana, Diana, Diana herself. herself. Yeah. Yes. I think, um, what I can say is true is that these characters, like as you begin to sort of flesh them out, it's like they become real. Um, and in my case, I worked with the helping spirit. So like I did a lot of shamanic journeying to help me through the writing of this book. So I would go to a, one of my helping spirits when I would get stuck. And eventually they introduced me to the characters in the spirit worlds, which might sound strange, but like using drumming as a way to alter my consciousness, I entered these spiritual realms. And then I met the characters. And so I was able to sit with them in those spirit realities and say like, what else do you need? Like, how else would you like this story to be? Like, are you pleased with this or what? And it's like, I feel them actually just as real as some of my helping spirits, you know? Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I actually had in reading the acknowledgments, I was so intrigued by your acknowledgement section. I, I always enjoy reading that anyway, but yours was particularly fascinating this time around. Do you mind if I read just a little yeah. excerpt from that? Because yeah. I that was one of the things in preparing for this interview. I thought, okay, this book, I, I, the adventure, going on the adventure without knowing um, specifics was so fun in reading this book. So I want to be very careful about how much I, I, of course I'm right to go anywhere you want to go with it, but I just don't want to um, create the, you know, spoilers, so to speak. Exactly. Um, so, so basically you write in the acknowledgements anyway, um, I'll read this part. So this one we will reveal. Um, thank you to each of my helping spirits, but especially Charlotte, who introduced me to Mira. Mira is the main character that much. I know that's, that's public information um, yes. who introduced me to Mira and let us converse directly. I am so grateful for all the coincidences, synchronicities, and chance meetings you spirits placed on my path to remind me to get back to writing this book. You didn't give up on me. Thank you also Mira for encouraging me from the realm of spirit. My prayer is that the book pleases you tremendously. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're saying there? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it was, it was really, I started on this project like five years ago and it was so daunting because there's also something about starting from scratch. Like it's wonderful because you have infinite possibilities, but those infinite possibilities kind of overwhelmed me. Like it was really hard for me to get it down to what is the story, yeah. <laughs> you know, and choosing things. 
And I remember I was at a really tough point of like, I just can't do this. Like, I'm just going to give this up. And I just stacked all the stuff and put it in a box and like threw it on a high shelf in my closet. You know, it was just like, I don't, I can't deal with this. It's just too hard. And then I was on this trip in Seattle. In fact, it might've been, it was the trip probably where I saw you. Oh my and I'm gosh. In the Seattle SeaTac airport in the basement, you know, it's all dark and gloomy down there. And I was looking for yeah. an Uber pickup or something. And there was a woman there who needed help, which I won't go into the details of why she needed help. But when we began to converse, she told me something about her life, which was a peculiar, like one in a million chances of her telling me something that had directly connected to the story with Mira. Uh, and I was like, you know, it's just one of those things I knew, like I knew, like, oh boy, I got to get that box off the shelf and go back to it. It's like, I knew this story wanted to be told. And and I think this happens to a lot of us creatives. You know, Liz Gilbert talks about these ideas will come to us and they'll keep coming. But if we kind of ignore them, they'll eventually go off and find somebody else. Liz Gilbert actually tells a hilarious story. She had this perfect story. It was like, she was going to write about something so specific. It's not even funny. And then another author, literally two years later, published the exact book. I mean, almost every detail. Yeah. And they connected at a party and they talked about it. And Liz realized this is how ideas work. So anyway, I had like three things like happen. Like, and then it was a year later, I gave up again. And then during the pandemic, I was in Thailand with a woman who was co-leading the retreat. And she tells me, starts telling me about her sister and by gum. The sister tells, you know, some extremely rare thing. And she tells me this and I'm like, and that became the missing piece. I'm like, do you think she would be willing to talk to me? And she said, absolutely. And that became like, okay, I've got to finish this. Like everything <laughs> handed to me. Like I can't quit now. Cause you know, as a creator, it's so easy to get discouraged, derailed, disappointed, overwhelmed, whatever it is, you know? Yes, exactly. And I'm so glad you're sharing this because as much as I want to talk about the book itself, or I mean, as much as we can without giving too much away, I also wanted to talk to you about the journey of the writing of it um, and your approach to this book versus some of the other ones that you have published in the past. And so I'm curious, what, what wisdom or uh, inspiration or I don't, I don't know, advice would you have for other folks out there who have a project that, you know, maybe is on the shelf at the moment, they're not sure it's taking longer than expected, or <laughs> what would you say to them? <laughs> well, for me, and I think this is true from, I mean, of most people, it's like, you can't go it alone. So like somehow get it off the shelf and like share it with somebody, find somebody to ask the question you need answered or share it with a friend or tell somebody about it. Um, because like when we wrestle with these things on our own, it's really daunting. Um, there were different points at the story when I was like working on it. I remember sharing it with a dear friend of mine. And I was like bumping, just banging my head up against the wall. I'm like, this isn't quite right, but I'm like <laughs> trying to get a grip on it. And she read it and she's like, well, you know what she needs? And I'm like, no, what does she need? Tell me. <laughs> she's like, she needs a love interest. And I'm Woo. like, well, hello. She's in high school. Of course she needs a love. Like, it just like, don't ask me why, but that hadn't crossed my mind, you know? Yeah. Like we need other people to help us. Um, yeah, whether it's a professional editor to help us, you know, you know, polish it or whether it's somebody like my friend who can just, you know, see the obvious. Yeah, I'm so glad that that you did include that part because I will say that added such a beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it just was. Yeah, the other thing, I mean, you've got kids. Like, how involved were they? Because this is written from the perspective of a young adult. Um, yes. did, did they contribute? 
Oh, it's hilarious. Oh, Sunny. I was so desperate one, uh, one summer, I don't remember, it was maybe two years ago and I needed to go through it again and kind of weeded, weed through it and see, I needed like a young person to read all the text messages to see, does this sound stupid or does this sound legit? You know, because <laughs> you know how teenagers text, they say things like, um, rules or something. I can't remember what they say. They say like true or truth. Or anyway. So I paid my daughter who at the time was like 18. I think she was still a senior in high school and I paid her by the hour to read it. Cause she, she, you know, I was like, I'm not going to ask you to do this as a volunteer. She was so funny. She was so thorough. I learned something about her, like an incredible, thoroughly amazing editor for one thing. And then the other thing, she was just like, so annoyed by me. It was hilarious. She was like, <laughs> mom, nobody does this stuff. This is like, nobody's going to read this. Oh my God, mom. You know, like She would see me in the hallway coming and it was like, she was just horrified. <laughs> and I still haven't really fully processed that with her, but I didn't take it personally because I was like, you know, and I did, and I was writing and I am writing in the book about, um, international adoption and, and, you know, three of our four children are adopted. And I'm guessing some of that was, I'm guessing, but I haven't had that conversation with her about that, but, um, you know, I think my kids are always supportive of me, but like horrified properly as you should be by your mother. You know, it's like, I'm not here to like, make them be like, wow, my mom's really impressive. They're more like, you know, it's very humbling, Sunny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. And I'm glad you brought that up also, because I, I think that was something that I read um, as a, a blurb around the book. So I, I knew the international adoption was something that was also, we could, we could go there. Um, how, I, I guess it of course is, is a theme in the story. And I'm curious without getting too personal, how much does that mirror your own experience with having international adoption be a part of your own family? Yeah. So, um, I got, you know, a lot of it has to do with like, I've done a lot of research and reading of course about adoption and the impact. And I've watched lots of films and I've been a part of and involved with, um, there's an international, uh, there's an adoption camp, which I talk about like a summer camp in the summer, um, that we used to attend in Minneapolis. And it's, so it's like an amalgamation, you know, some of the things um, come or inspired by some of the events and things that I witnessed and things that I read about. Um, and I think that it's what I've learned is just the, the adoptive triad, you know, there's, there's the mother, well, and that doesn't even, the adoptive triad doesn't really include the males, but let's just say the, or the, the, it includes the, you know, the birth mother, the, 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 the child and then the, the adoptive child and then the, the birth, or excuse me, the adoptive parent. Mm -hmm. And I think there's pain and grief, you know, on at all three points in the triangle. And I guess it's funny when we always talk about birth mothers, but man, I think the next step will be, we need to talk about all the birth fathers too, because that's obviously part of it. Yeah. Um, and some of it stems from, there's a lot of conflict between Mira as she's trying to, um, as we all needed to do, you know, separate and become an independent adult from her parents. And so a lot of um, that is sourced from my own experience, you know, being a kid and having a lot of friction with my mom as I was growing up and trying to break free and trying to become whoever I was trying to become, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And my mom and I had a wonderful relationship as adults, which took a lot of effort and work and on both of our parts. Um, but yeah, I wanted to kind of address that. I think adolescence is such a magical time and a challenging time. You know, we're trying to break free. 
Absolutely. And then that leads to my next question is who, when you wrote this book, who were you writing it for? I mean, I, okay, so let me back up. I've only written the one book. Now you have, you are prolific. What is it? Six books in 10 years. Like this is, and, and that's not to mention all of the art and the other things that you're creating at any given time. But when the one and only book that I've written, uh, one of the instructions or um, I guess ways to go about it was to write to pick an avatar or pick a specific person. And when you were writing, write to that person um, and don't worry about it appealing to the entire world. Like whoever you feel inspired to write this for, that's for them. Now, did you do something similar? Or who were you writing this for envisioning it being in their hands when you were creating it? Yeah, I wasn't writing for, I think what I was hoping that anyone who is experiencing some kind of a plot twist in their life, you know, any one of us who as, you know, thinking life is a certain way and things are going to be this way and I'm going to do these things. And then suddenly something happens that makes all of that impossible. Um, I think that's who I really wanted to connect with. And that's, you know, I guess that's everyone. Yeah. But obviously the book isn't going to appeal to everyone. Um, but I suppose it would appeal to somebody who's interested in, in beauty and the difference between, um, you know, healing with traditional allopathic medicine and healing in the spiritual realms. Um, I think that's a big theme in the book as well. Um, you know, without getting into too many details. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also I wanted to alert people to the idea that, you know, of sacred ceremony being a really powerful metaphor for life and that, you know, what we, what we can learn in a ceremony um, and part of the book, um, there is a, you know, a traditional uh, indigenous ceremony that the, 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 you know, some of the people go to in the book. Yeah. And, um, you know, what I've learned myself from those experiences has really helped me to navigate my life after the ceremony. Like, I feel like life is the ceremony and what we learn in those, those experiences can be very powerful. Yes. And I, okay. Since you brought up sacred ceremony, um, I, when, when there, as you mentioned, there are several characters in the book that experience that. Um, when I was reading that part, I had this, um, I was like, ah, I wonder if this is what it was like when Sarah had her first sacred ceremony or when um, maybe, because I know you've done a lot of this work now with be being that you are a shamanic mentor and healer these days. Um, and I, I was curious, how much does the character's experience of sacred ceremony mirror your own Yes, I would say some of those that definitely um, draw on some personal experiences, <laughs> for sure. And of course, you know, all the details and things like that are changed and, you know, but there's definitely some, some commonalities there, you know, because we write what we know. One thing yeah. I learned by writing this book is like, I read novels now and I'm like, it's hard for me to enjoy it because I'm thinking, okay, this person must have, you know, because I mean, unless we interview people, of course, then we can learn things, but a lot of things are what we know, even if it's fiction. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I do remember just going back to Martha's fiction book, Diana herself, um, when she said it was, I believe, I think the phrase she said was, it's the truest book I've ever written, even though it's fiction. But she later would talk about the fact there was, there was a, a particular, there was a boar in the book. And this was when she was living on the property in California. And she was tracking a wild boar on the property that she began to believe was tracking her in the end. Like there was, you know, it's yes. kind of circular. And I thought when I was reading it, knowing that it, it really added to 
it's the only, you were the only other, I think, fiction author I have read where I know something about your life or I know more about you than I would say than Liz Gilbert, for example, yeah, yeah. Right? reading her fiction book. And so it was so, it, it's interesting you say that. I, it's, it's a different kind of read when you know the person because I'm always wondering, oh, I wonder if that was her experience too. But yeah, it adds a dimension to it that's really fun. <laughs> And the beasties, I want to add that's, I've forgotten that about Martha and her boar, but, um, you know, the deer, it's so fascinating. Like when I was writing the book, I would come home and um, there would be a bunch of deer like sitting in our front yard and, you know, just at different points when I was frustrated or struggling or stressed, it was like, I'd look out the window and there would be deer looking at me and it just felt like, okay, guys, <laughs> and just, it, oh, and then the, the woman who just did the audio recording for the audible version of the book, which just came out yesterday. Congratulations, said, by the way. <laughs> thank you. She said, well, she was recording all that and she did an amazing job, beautiful narration. She said she was walking in this woods and this deer came to her. She's never had a deer come any closer. Like it was like within four feet of her. And she said, I just felt like I knew it was this deer sweetie from the, from the book <sighs> come visit me. And that was just so touching. Like there's something magical about kind of doing creative acts because I feel like the the magic of the, I call it the spirit world, but whether you call it the creative matrix, whatever you refer to it as, like reaches back out to you to kind of cheer you on. And it's so fun and amazing. Absolutely. And that was another thing that really stood out because as I mentioned in your bio, one of my favorite of your books is the book of beasties. Um, and I know uh, a lot of folks um, that are big fans of yours, like that's, that's a favorite. Um, and I love that you interwove, is that the right word that you wove yes. that in, wove that into the story um, with Mira. It just, um, it, that, that through line with sweetie oh my goodness so so beautiful um so to know that the deer were really showing up in in the waking life as well um and, and so the title of the book where the deer dream I can imagine there were a, you could have called this book many things was that the obvious one for you because of the deer's interaction in the writing or or how did you choose that title yeah, I think they're the only other one. I had another possible, which was like yellow bird. I was just going to call it yellow yeah. bird. <laughs> you know? Yes. And I don't know. So at some point you just decide it's like calling naming babies. You're like, well, it was going to be Ralph or just Bob, or we just weren't sure. So we just went with Ralph. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that was just sort of like, I don't know. You just make, at some point you have to make a decision. Yes. When you said the reason I was getting so excited about Yellowbird, because I was thinking of all the titles, if I were to title the book, it would have to be something to do. I mean, other than the deer, obviously, but yeah. the Yellowbird. Yes. I can yes. see why that's, yeah. So, um, okay. The subtitle is, okay. So the, the title is Where the Deer Dream. Subtitle, A Coming of Age Adventure in Spirit. What does that mean to you? Well, I wanted to alert people to the fact, you know, at first I was writing this for young adults, you know, and yeah. then with the subject matter, which if anybody reads it, you'll understand the subject matter people, you know, my agent was like, you know, I don't think the, li the children's libraries are going to take this book. Yeah. <laughs> for a variety of reasons, not because <laughs> it's a sexy romp guys, no, no. but there's other deeper things at work here. And, um, so I, um, <laughs> 
that was where I was going. I've just lost my train of thought because I was thinking about librarians and schools. No, um, I ask you why, how, what the subtitle "A Coming of Age" oh, yes. meant to you. So I wanted to alert people that yeah, it was a coming of age story, you know, involving young people. Um, and then the adventure and spirit, I wanted to just, I wanted people to understand it was a spiritual books. It's probably not for somebody who just thinks life is, you know, logical and, and, you know, an engineer maybe, or something like that, <laughs> unless they're a shamanic engineer and then we'll buy <laughs> things, they'd probably really enjoy it. Um, I don't know. That's kind of where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. Very intriguing. And I, I think this was one of the descriptions that I'd read. I think this is from your website, um, but it said Mira senses she can't get through her challenge in the ordinary way. It's going to take otherworldly assistance. So yeah, I, I think that was just such a perfect way to, um, to capture what happens in the book, the coming of age adventure and spirit. Um, so I want to ask you also, we talked a little bit about how this book came to be in your journey over a course of years with it and various helpers, whether in human or spirit form showed up to, um, to help you navigate it. I, I wanted to also read something um, that, that this was from a blog that you wrote a while back while you were still in the, the writing of it. And um, you say um, about this new book, it is thrilling because it's a novel and I have never done fiction before scary because I've been working on this project for four years and it means a lot to me and I'm longing to offer it to the world in a simpler way. The traditional publishing world says it's critical to get blurbs from famous authors and to create an effective marketing strategy and launch campaign so you can trigger higher visibility on Amazon. Those things certainly have been important ways my books have gotten more visibility in the past, but this time around something inside of me says let's keep it simple. Let's save our energy for a new creative project. Let's save it for friends and family and myself. Let's trust that the story will reach those who need it, uh, who it needs to. Sorry, let me write that, read that again because it's important. Let's trust that the story will reach those who it needs to and that I'll have the resources I need to write another book if I choose to. If the book is meant to find a larger audience, it will somehow. Um, and I love that because you have, you have books um, with Sounds True. You've gone the traditional route. You've gone uh, the self-publishing route. Um, you really, you're an author that's, that is well-rounded in, in how you have brought your books to the world. Can you say a little bit more about what I just read, you know, the, the, the approach with this book and how you knew that's what needed to happen? Yeah, I think it's like, you know, the the whole promotional part of books is such a, it's such a machine. And it's like, I mean, it can feel like it. And normally, yeah, you'd write as many famous authors as you can, you can, and then try to get them to all write something, which means they all have to read the book, which, mm -hmm. you know, which to me, it's like, it kind of sounds exhausting. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, do I really want, and I did ask Martha to write a blurb, but it's like, do I really want Martha Beck to spend five or six precious hours reading this book um if that if that may or may not be what she wants to do like or she could use that time to be frolicking in the forest with her golden retrievers you know what i mean yeah, yeah. i just kind of was thinking about that on a broader scheme and do i i did ask her to but i didn't go crazy asking a million people and i guess i'm just trying to do it more gently because i don't want to um you know as I just feel like I want to do more living and less marketing. Mm. And I think as artists and creatives, that's a challenge because in this world, if you want your work to be seen and you want to support yourself, you know, you hope to have buyers. Right. <laughs> people that are interested. 
And so it's kind of just a razor's edge, but I just try, what I'm trying this time around is just to like, when spirit says like, go with something, go with something. And like, here's how it works. Like you sent me a, a work said, I didn't reach out to you. You just sent me an email and said, Oh, Hey, do you want to be on? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And it's like, so I've really been just meeting up with people that I, who I know and love. And it's been like really fun and, and easy this time around. And you know, will the book see less people? Maybe. And it's okay because the, really the fun of it is in the creating of the process, you know, the project. And I'm already excited about another book. And so, um, yeah, I just trying to find that balance, I think more and more just yes. trust. Yeah. I'm, I'd be, uh, I'm really curious to, to see where this book goes. Cause I can see it appealing to, in, to so many people and in so many areas. And, but when it's in spirit's hands, it's like just waiting for the, what is it? Um, waiting with anticipation to see what will come of it. Yeah. Big or small. Yeah. yeah. And big things have already happened. Like when you told me it, you know, you were in tears reading it. And I had a friend call me like after she read it and she was crying in this voicemail and she's like, it's so beautiful. I mean, those are the things that really matter. You know, ultimately <laughs> it's like, those are the precious gifts when somebody, you know, and care about like got something out of it and felt something. It's like, to me, that's, that's as good as it gets. Yeah. And I do want to share since you mentioned that, and I meant to, to lead off with this earlier and just, of course, the, the, the um, I'm not quite as centered as I normally am. Oh, no. I know. I know. It's like you're a dog <laughs> nurse right now. <laughs> and then of course, at the same time, the cats are wanting out of the room there anyway. Thank <laughs> you again. But um, so let me mention this story. Let me come back to this story that I'd wanted to mention earlier, but I, um, I hadn't told Chase who I was interviewing this week. Sometimes he asks, sometimes he doesn't, it comes up, it doesn't, whatever. So I'm sitting here in our little Airbnb and I'm getting toward, I'm in the last like quarter of the book. And I just, I've got tears running down my face and I take my glasses off and I'm wiping my cheeks and Chase turns around and goes, Oh my God, Sonny, what's wrong? Is everything okay? And I said, no, no, no. Happy tears. It's my interview this week. And he goes, who are you talking to? I said, Sarah Bamford Settlement. He goes, Oh, wow. Wait, what, what, what's going on? And I said, she wrote a fiction book and it's happy, happy, happy tears. Mm. <laughs> it's like moving tears. And he said, Oh, that makes much more sense now. <laughs> Yeah. And isn't, I think as an artist or a writer, it's like, all you want to do is like, yeah, if you can have, if somebody can feel something through what you wrote, that's like so fun. That means it translated somehow people understood what you were feeling and they felt it too. Yes. It in multiple places where I, I just, the way I borrowed these words from Betsy Rappaport, who was one of um, your, um, the, the, uh, folks who wrote a testimonial. Um, of course, she's she was an editor for many years at a very large publishing house. She knows books. She she teaches it. She's done it. All the things, and she wrote that it had a a deeply satisfying conclusion. And I will say that much. And, and that so those there were pieces that were coming together at the end that were just so serendipitous and so magical. That's what was moving me to tears. Is oh, it's just so. <laughs> So awesome. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's a little background on that. 
Um, yeah, and so I wanted to also ask, you did say another book in the works, but I want to ask specifically about this one because at least the way that I read the final sentences of the book, to me, it left open the possibility for more to come with Mira. Is, can, yeah. Am I allowed to ask? <laughs> oh, sure. Like, well, I've thought about that. Like, I've got some notes and I definitely have a lot of ideas about that. So I kind of want to, but I think I'm just going to wait and see, like, as it rolls out in the world, would people like that, you know? um is there yeah okay well you're my first vote I'll take it (laughs) um I love it because yeah I think there's more I would love to see what happens next to her and to walk her through those different ages you know I could see a trilogy where it's like you know different ages you know and as I grow older and you know have different experiences I think it could be really really beautiful Yes, kind of the maiden mother crone archetype. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh my gosh. Totally. And I love that you say, I will be something. I'm sorry, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not going to say exactly how you did, but the gist was, you know, I, I look forward to seeing, or I would like to see what happens to her because it sounds like the way that this book came to you, it's as much of a discovery, a revealing. Uh, more of a revealing than it is a creating, perhaps. Yes, I would say definitely. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's magic. (laughs) Well, one of the other things I wanted to ask just to now to back up a little bit, (laughs) now that we're in the (laughs) more than the second half of the show, talk about your background. Um, I I did want to ask in your bio, you write, or it says that, that you had this, uh, you were a fourth generation physician living in a nature starved, hectic lifestyle until a walrus entered your life and changed everything. Um, do you mind, um, I know you've shared this before on the show, but I just, that's such a intriguing little line there. What happened yes. with the walrus and <laughs> how that's relevant to what we're talking about here? Right. So, yeah, so we had at the time, so I'm 54 now, and that was, I would say around like age 39, 40, I started getting this inkling of feeling, um, you know, I was working full-time at the hospital, I had four little kids. There was a combination of overwhelm, but also this kind of um feeling that maybe I was not, um, you know, using my talents in the way that I should be, uh, or maybe that's not a good way. Let me explain. Like, so my job as a physician was to be a disease hunter. Mm-hmm. So I was a surgical pathologist, which is I'm the doctor who like you would send your doctor would send your bone biopsy or skin biopsy or breast biopsy to me. And then I would look at it under the microscope and let them know, like, whether there's a disease process going on there and what, you know, what, what, what can be done and what the diagnosis is, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I started getting more curious about what makes people well after, you know, being in medicine for 20 years, I was like, gosh, you know, I get disease. And I, I feel like that's as far as I, I'm not super interested in learning more about how disease is made. I want to understand like what makes people well. Yeah. And um, eventually with some coaching, I gave myself the permission to take a sabbatical. And that summer, I thought it was going to be so blissful, Sunny. You know, like, yeah, I'll be home with the kids. We'll go swimming. <laughs> of course, it was like much harder than I thought to be home with four children. Um, so it had its it had its sunny moments, but there were also dark days where I was like, oh my goodness, maybe I should go back to work. Um, but during that time, I was so confused. Like, am I supposed to go back to work? I mean, I was scared also like, uh-oh, I don't want to go back to work because I just, I'm disconnected from that work. Anyway, yeah. I stumbled into this ancient idea that um, through Ted Andrews book, Animal Speak, that 
you know, the, the wild animals that cross your path may have messages for you. And I was like, okay, people, I'm open to this. That sounds nuts. Cause I mean, being a scientist and a physician, I was like, <laughs> I mean, this makes no sense, but you know, it hit me. I am ready. Like throw me a bone here. Animals. I'm ready for it. And of course, sure enough, I walk into this little shop in our downtown in Northern Minnesota. And there is a giant taxidermied walrus head hanging with tusks and all like hanging on the wall. And I was like riveted by this thing. I was like, I went to visit it like three times. And finally it was just like, okay, if you have a message for me, Mr. Walrus, like, please tell me, like, I really need your help. Um, and the walrus was very silent as you might imagine <laughs> taxidermied walruses be. So I started studying walruses a little bit. And what I started watching their videos and stuff, it's like walruses, like when they're laying on the beach, I mean, they weigh tons, they're heavy they're just like so surrendered to the earth. I mean, they are not like, they are not, you can tell they're not hepped up on anxiety. Like, oh my God, where are we going to get the clams? Like where, uh -huh. what's, you know, what's happening? They're just so comfortable in their own skin for one thing. And then the other thing I learned is that they're apex predators, meaning there's no competition for them, essentially once in a while, a polar bear, but mm, you know, they just pretty much avoid each other. Yeah. Doesn't work out so well. So I was like, well, let's put those two things together. And maybe that's my message. Like, if I could find a way to be comfortable in my skin and I, then maybe I might have no competition. Should I choose a different vocation? Like, should I choose to be a writer or a coach? Mm -hmm. um, and that, maybe strange as it sounds, like that actually excited me. And that's when I started to pay attention to all the creatures that were, and I really started to reconnect with nature. And that's, that was a huge medicine for me because it was so simple. Some of the things in front of me were just like, I mean, just the idea that maybe I could do something different was so earth shatteringly awesome that I was like, okay, maybe I can. And yeah. Oh no, go ahead, please. And I was going to say, then eventually I was like, well, after doing a lot of reading of Ted Anders, like, well, it turns out you, you know, everybody has, or most people have a spirit animal that they're connected with. And I, then I became like on a hunt for not a hunt. That sounds weird, but I, I was really <laughs> curious who is mine. And then I had to go on a shamanic journey using drumming and which I did with the help of Sandra Ingerman's recordings and met my first spirit in the spirit world, um, a helping spirit, a mother bear who, I mean, just the connection with her, she helped me so much to calm down, to get my wits about me, to cry, to heal so many things so that I could eventually get the courage to walk away from medicine and step onto this other path. Yeah. And you, you write, this is from, um, I think a longer bio or this is on your website that at that point, uh, we decided to create more bandwidth you and your family, or I guess your, your, husband and got the kiddos, we decided to create more bandwidth for ourselves creatively and financially and sold our vacation home, decamped from a 6,000 square foot house into a lovely, more modest one. Next, I took the six month sabbatical for my job as a physician. So I guess the, the connecting with the beasties was the, it seemed to light the path forward for you or give you the, the breadcrumbs to follow. And so I'm just curious at that point, was it difficult ultimately to step away from all of those things that our culture values so much in service of what was going to serve your true nature, for example. For sure. I mean, I think what was really hard, I didn't see this coming, but like, you know, medicine is one of those, oh, you're a doctor. Like, oh, that's so amazing. And you have kids. I mean, I hadn't really taken stock of the fact that people thought I was pretty awesome for just being who I was. And then suddenly I'd find myself at parties and be like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I 
I, I, I stumble around in the woods. I mean, for months it was just, I'm just stumbling around in the woods. I'm kind of interested in coaching and you could tell, you could watch people's eyes just glaze over. It did not, it did not interest them at all. And I was like, but it's kind of neat because before <laughs> people thought I was some kind of a rock star. And so it was hard on the ego. Like the ego has to dissolve and fall apart. And I think that was challenging. And then of course I had a lot of money fears because four kids wanted to put them through college um, you know, you have all these best laid plans about how, oh, we're never going to have to worry about money. And uh, not that we had to worry about money, but it was going to be a big change. We had to move. We had to like to make everything work. And so I had to trust. And eventually at one point, I remember, um, oh, I've got so many stories about the money part of it. Like at one point I said to him, I said, you know, dear universe, and this is before that I'd really gotten a lot of faith in the spirits and the helping and the, you know, the, just the goodness of the universe. And, mm-hmm. um, I said, if I'm not meant to go back to that job at the hospital, like show me how, and it was like two weeks later, my husband got a, a raise in his salary. That was almost equivalent exactly to my part-time salary at the time. Wow. And it was so gobsmacking. I was like, wow, this stuff really works. <laughs> Wow. You know, but then two weeks later, I was like, I don't know if that's the sign. Maybe <gasps> not. Maybe. I mean, this is the kind of like this, you know, I, I talk about like people having these self-imposed glass ceilings and I had a huge one. And that's when I, with the help of my spirits, I started asking myself this question, you know, like how good are you willing to let it get Sarah? Would you be willing to allow as much money, as much love, whatever it is that you need to keep going on this path, you know, could you let it in, you know, could you open your hands and not be gripping so tightly to everything and so full of anxiety? Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that became the inspiration for another book, you know, uh, (laughs) trying to help people find their freedom from whatever they need to get free from. Yes. So ultimately, would you say it sounds like your your um, trust muscles are stronger now, but do you still find yourself slipping or? I feel like financially trust muscles have gotten a lot better in the last few years. And I think and over the last 10 years, for sure. Um, I've gotten a lot of teachings like medicinal teachings, things like your money doesn't belong to you, you know, which is a very like a deep concept and may sound ludicrous. Um, But the more I've seen it that way, that it's just something passing through my hands and the more I can keep it moving, keep sharing it, keep using it for good projects, be mindful of it, you know, celebrate it, share it. um, That's that's where it's at for me. Um, I've experienced, you know, like we had a 6,000 square foot, you know, we've had crystal chandeliers, we've had, you know, fancy trips and things like that. I feel like I had a little mini experience of, yeah, being the Buddha and understanding that the true gifts were outside of the palace, (laughs) you know, one of my favorite books is Siddhartha, um, in such a wonderful book. If anybody needs to, yeah, wants to read about that story of just, yeah, exploring what's outside of all this, all the trappings of what we, what we're sold in the American culture, money, money, you know, Mm -hmm. um, be like Beyonce and Jay-Z and you'll be all right, or you'll be happy. (laughs) It's like, maybe, (laughs) no, 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 no diss to no shade to Beyonce because I mean, I absolutely, you know, think she's amazing. But like that worship of the money and um, the the possessions. Yeah, don't yeah. be going after Quinn B like that. <laughs> no, Benny, the Benny very Bay. rarely interjects. He must feel strongly about this. 
I did not mean anything. I know. You know, just you know what I mean? Celebrity rapture, you know? Yeah. And I, I will say, Sarah, that's one of the things that I have enjoyed um, about your journey as well, because I feel like um, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, you're one of the folks like Martha who lights that path ahead. And so hearing your experience of that, because I, my previous chapter of my life was very similar and, and it's that, what did you call it? The ego, um, dis, not dissolution. What did you deconstruction? How did you say yeah, it? It's kind of like a dismemberment. We Dismem- talked talk yeah. about that happening in shamanism. You have to fall apart. Yeah. 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 So it's very inspiring, uh, for me and I'm sure for many others out there to hear your experience with it. And now, um, you know, I know it's a continuing journey, but that, as you said, your trust muscles have increased substantially and you're connecting with something, um, outside of the palace walls, so to speak. Um, yeah. So I want to make two, two more. Well, I, I do want to make sure we talk about some events you have coming up because these are things that, um, uh, I know some of the women in my soul digger group, you know, as you were a special guest there a while back and they of course adore your work. And, um, one of the things that they have loved following you, um, on is your, I guess, let's just go there for the events. And if I have time for the other questions, we'll do that. But you have been, um, in addition to all the many other creative endeavors you've been doing, you have this beautiful finding of your authentic fashion. Um, and I, you've been posting selfies and you are kind of, um, I should probably let you tell it. This is not, you're not going out and shopping at, at Nordstrom's for these things. These are things no. that you're, okay, so tell us a little bit about your journey and then we can segue that into the event you've got coming up that I think is so fun. Yeah. A friend and I, um, were, we walk every morning and we've both been on this journey of like removing flour and sugar from our lives and trying to eat healthier. And, um, And I had learned that, well, it was interesting, like as I, you know, when you, when you fighting addiction, like in me in particular food addiction, um, I recognize there's this part of me that wants to indulge me in eating sugar and drinking wine. And anyway, I finally had a conversation with this part of myself and I'm like, what, what would it take to make you happy so that, you know, you could, you would stop pestering me about, you know, Toll House cookies and such. (laughs) And she's like, I just want to dress up. And I was like, really? Okay. And I noticed that as I started to care more about what I was wearing, like really put some effort into clothing and accessorizing and stuff, like she quieted down, like she wants to be creative. And so I thought, wouldn't it be fun to like get a group together and, um, you know, every day we would post a selfie just, and this isn't about being like a a fashionista. It's about, you know, dressing to really delight yourself and enchant yourself and like have a little fun and, um, and feel good about yourself. And so we just did it for 30 days and oh my gosh, I, I was amazed. Like what we all got out of it. We all went really deep. I mean, it, it, like any creative project, it will cause you to face your own self and your own, those critical voices in your head. Like you shouldn't be wearing that you two bit hussy, you know, like (laughs) all kinds of things that pop up. Like, and so we each every day shared a selfie and then we shared just a self, like a, uh, like a self-reflection, like, how does this make me feel? And then we allowed zero comments. Mm-hmm. So this was only for you to reflect on yourself. And it wasn't about, oh, I love what you're wearing or, you know, none of that. It was just about how do I feel? And I, you know, and like any skill, if you practice it, you'll get better at it. And that was what was amazing. It was so fun to watch people as they grew and myself too. Like I couldn't believe some of the outfits that I put together it was super fun. And yeah, it was just fun. So we're going to do it again in, um, in February this year. And we're already kind of, the group is already forming on Facebook. Cause I've, and I've got a little video in there to get people started and, 
Um, it's just fun. It's a lot of learning about different fun things in style. And we focus a lot on um, thrifting and, and buying, you know, you shopping your own closet. I mean, of course you can do whatever you like, but um, we're into like uh, creativity over consumption, you know, yeah, like yeah. using what we have, it's astonishing what new things you can do with stuff when you just start educating yourself a little bit about how do people style things and um, what could I do to recreate this look with what I have, not going out to re, you know, to purchase a bunch of new stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It's been so much fun to watch you on that journey. I'm not on social media, particularly the last seven or eight months. Um, but when I do pop on there and you hit my feed, um, I've just had so much fun watching that. And of course you include that in your newsletter. Um, and so, uh, if anyone wants to join you for that journey, um, I will just say that the, all of Sarah's events are listed on her website under upcoming events. The website to go to is followyourfeelgood.com. That's followyourfeelgood.com. Um, it's under upcoming events. So this is Authentic Fashion February if you want to join for that. And it sounds like there's a get ready or kickoff call on January 29th. So people still have plenty of time to, to oh, join yes. you all. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you also have, of course, having published, uh, either self-published or traditional published six books in 10 years, you know, a bit about writing and, uh, <laughs> and being an yes. author. So you've got another, uh, offering it's called let's fly together. It's a book writing group. It goes four months. First session is January 13th. What do you want to say about that one? Inger Kenobi, another author, and I are just like, there's so many people out there that have a book in them that are, want, have been saying they want to get it done, but we believe like it helps to have the port and to all move. You know, there's a lot of social science behind the idea of doing things as a group. You know, yeah. of course, I'm not going to write anybody's book for them. But, you know, when we all say together, we are committed, we are going in, we are doing this, we're going to come in all the way, you know, and sit down and write these books. Yeah. And so it's going to be like a supportive, there's going to be sort of a, a, a supportive, like intensive at the beginning. And then we're going to you know, open up space and there'll be four months full, you know, the whole time, um, with support in between that will be just phenomenal. I know. And I'm super excited about all the books that are going to come out of it because nothing needs to stop you. And if you go to the link from my website, you'll, there's a free writing course, um, at the fly together, um, event, you'll see there's a free one half hour course that Inger and I taught. So you can take advantage of that mm-hmm. and it will help you connect with your book and also, um, get some tools that will help you to begin actually working on it. Awesome. I mean, I, I my own experience was that it helped being in a group as I, uh, wrote my book and I cannot imagine uh, someone I would rather learn from or write with than you, Sarah. I didn't this, I wish that had been available when I was doing mine. So this is what a fun offering. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, and here we are almost at the end of the hour. So I'll just recap. Um, my guest today has been Sarah Bamford Seidelman, MD, uh, fourth generation, fourth generation physician who has turned shamanic mentor. Um, she has a brand new book out where the dear dream. It is her debut fiction novel. It is enchanting. I will agree with that assessment of it. Um, you can find out more about all of the things we've talked about, um, including all of Sarah's books and other offerings at follow yourfeelgood.com. That is followyourfeelgood.com. Sarah, thanks for coming back to sunny in Seattle. 
Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, Benny. And I hope Moby gets better. Quick. She will. I have to say, I asked for some spirit assistance uh, for this hour. And as we speak, she has been <laughs> napping quietly. Other than the few times the kitties got a little out of control. It was the kitties this time. So thanks, <laughs> Sarah, for your flexibility on that one. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Benny, for running the board. And this is your host, Sunny Joy, signing off for Sunny in Seattle.